What's up, everyone, and welcome to the FitBeat Report podcast. I'm your host, Christina. For those of you who are new, I would like to welcome you to the podcast. And for those of you who have been here before, I would like to welcome you back. Thanks so much for tuning in and lending me your ears. I hope you enjoy this new episode. So what's up, guys? Welcome to the Fit Mute Report podcast. I'm your host, Christina. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. We have a special guest with us here today, Claudia El Mercado. She is an entrepreneur and a cannabis community connector. She has her own company in the cannabis industry. And we're here to debunk some myths as well as talk about the luxury market for cannabis. So if that interests you, go ahead and keep on listening. Welcome back, guys. On today's episode, we have Claudia El Mercado, and I am going to allow her to introduce herself and to tell us a little bit about who she is and what she is doing in the cannabis market. Let's go without these. Let's try that. <laughs> yeah, so Claudia Mercado, born in Mexico, Zacatecas, and I've been in Oakland since I was a young girl uh, with many dreams and aspirations. Um, and I always, you know, saw myself owning a business. And a few years ago, I saw the opportunity in cannabis and I saw the, the growing demographic of Latinos in this country. And I said, you know, it's a ma- it's a perfect match made in heaven. And I have to be part of it. And I've been running a Cali Bueno. We're a licensed kind of cannabis company with our own brand in California. Uh, we also operate a delivery service. So currently servicing the Bay Area. And that's been really fun. That's great. So tell me a little bit, um, Claudia, what was the mission behind the um, getting into the cannabis market? What was um, a little bit the process of, of you um, going in um, to the cannabis market and as well as being a woman um, in the cannabis market? How did that look like? So our listeners can get a little idea of what it's like, um, the process is like, and what was your mission behind this? Yeah, I think, I think the mission behind it is something that we're facing right now as women in general, which is you know the advancement of women in the workforce, the advancement of women in positions of influence, uh, advancement of women in positions of women helping other women flourish. Um, so you know, with cannabis, I always um, looked after my mother and my aunties. So that's my mission: making them flourish. Right. How do I do something that's going to benefit them? And with cannabis, we have an opportunity to enter the market as Latinos, Latinas, stand out. Right. So that's the mission, create generational wealth for Latinos, meaning that if we partake in the industry and we capitalize on the opportunity, it's a matter of time before we create wealth and leave that for our children. So that's that's my personal mission for the company is really to bring uh, good quality products at accessible price points that connect with a diverse demographic in California since, you know, um, in California, we're 39% Latino. So that's huge. So we definitely want to connect with those uh, consumers, but also the general public. Yeah. And I think that's great. I think that generational wealth is definitely um, a big driver for many people who are in the cannabis market. Um, And Latinos definitely can be one of the first to capitalize on this as well, and really um, be the ones to um, drive this big ship 
that you know we are just now getting to get into the water for all of us you know to have our boats out there and the mission the flourishing part i liked how you said you know women it's very small percentage of women um entrepreneurs who are in the actual cannabis industry and you are not only um, a woman in cannabis but you're an actual owner ceo founder of an actual cannabis company out here in the community. So tell me a little bit about um, being a leader in the cannabis industry. What have been some obstacles or some challenges that you have been faced with when um, you're out here um, in the cannabis industry? Uh, obstacles, um, I think the obstacles that we as Latinos as a community are facing, which is not enough access to capital. I think only, and please look at this data, but less than 2%, probably like, I want to say 0.002, but that might, that might be too extreme, but it might be true, uh, get capital funding as Latina CEOs, owners of businesses, which is, you know, daunting, right? Like why, why are people doubling down on us? So that's been one of my struggles, but you also add that, that you add that to the fact that um, we don't have access to banking. So like typical access to capitals is not available. And, you know, as a Latina woman, I, I, I carry my Latina uh, identity or Mexicana, identity with me, but I don't let that determine who I am. You know, I, I was fortunate to go to Mills College, was a, is a woman's institution educating women. So I come from those values. I think values are really important when you get into the cannabis industry. That's really the driving force. Like, why are you doing it? Why are you in it? That's great. And I think that also that has to go along with your branding, right? Your branding for your actual products. Does your branding include your story of being a Mexicana, of being a woman in cannabis, or what does your brand story look like for your products? That's definitely a question. Uh, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that's happening right now in cannabis is brands are starting to define themselves. And the people that get the story right and the narrative and the product to match the storyline are going to have a big leap. So with Galiweno, um, we're branding ourselves as a Latin X own brand. And we're also wow. branding ourselves as a brand that cares about supporting legacy small crop farmers. So, you know, farmers that are growing outdoors under the sun that are eco-friendly. So that's really, as a Mexicana, you know, I grew up in the fields in Mexico picking uh, elotes and calabazas and frijoles from the fields, you know, with my grandparents. So I know the value of the land. So with cannabis, that's our narrative. You know, we, we're here to make a social impact, but also make sure we make an environmental impact in terms of who we're supporting. And that's great. I'm glad you touched on that because I do also want to um, elaborate a little bit more. So kind of like the mezcal plant, right? And tequila, it is, you know, Mexicano. It's a Mexican brand and it has been a very a traditional Mexican brand that has been brought it over to the United States that has been greatly accepted by you know our culture and American roots, as well as how you're pairing that with the cannabis industry as well. And I would like to know when you are branding yourself as eco-friendly and as the story of like the tierra and more, which is more organic for those listeners who are listening and don't understand English, um, for the land. So it's more of a story of what's inside the product, how it's being shown, how it's being grown, what's all natural from it. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, so I think you know, if you look at, and thank you for bringing, making the correlation, I think as consumers, um, if they educate themselves on this concept of mezcal and weed, you know, and like understanding those two dynamics, I mean, they're going to have such a good Friday night on a regular, <laughs> you know, uh, because there is some magic. And just like mezcal, you know, it takes sometimes 10, 15 years to, you know, to be ready and you get this amazing product handcrafted. And mezcal, just really quickly not to derail, but, you know, in mezcal, I see a lot of like acculturation of you know, wide-owned brands coming in and really repping mezcal and not really giving credit to the people actually doing the work. So with Galibueno, you know, we do want to be that premier you know, brand, but we're giving the credit to the farmers. We're saying, you know what, you know, we're just the brand, we're their boys, we're, we're championing their product, but they're the ones that do the magic. So I think as a brand, that's what separates us. And by doing that, you know, we consistently have farmers that are giving us good quality product, you know, like every seven years, right, we're harvesting. But in this case, every nine months, we get fresh stuff from the mountains. Uh, it's great. It's such a fun process. That's great. And so I, I love the backstory. I love how, you know, it is aligned more with Mezcal. Definitely a great time. Also has many other beneficial uh, benefits to not only a great time, but also to medicinal purposes. I know for many of us um, who are familiar with um, with cancer, many cancer survivors have used um, cannabis to help with radio, um, chemo radio, and also with pain management as well. Do you see Talibueno being branded and aligning itself with its story for medicinal purposes as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a matter of time. Right now we're navigating compliance, we're bootstrapping our company, um, we're testing the market. Uh, but in terms of, you know, our, we have the ability to create different product line categories. Uh, so that's one thing that we, we can start focusing on, on topicals. We have some tinctures. Um, but the medicinal part, you know, when you're talking about branding and consumers, this is where they really have to be careful. And this is where the mission-driven companies are going to thrive in that business because these individuals are in real pain and they're looking for help. So, you know, if you're a brand selling the dream that you're going to heal somebody and you know it's not true, don't do that. <laughs> There's like real people behind this. Um, so as a brand, we just want to make, uh, you know, quality products that they can come back and uh, medicate on a regular basis that are consistent with doses. So we also, as a, as a brand, we're also going to uh, brand ourselves as quality um, in really protecting the, the consumer and really making sure we do our due diligence to really keep people safe and, and provide good quality medicine. For example, you know, in the industry, you can have uh, what, they're, what they're called distillates, which is like oil that's super processed. So even the processing of cannabis is interesting in terms of the quality and what's good for people. So if you're going to have a, a distillate and you're going through cancer versus a non-volatile extraction, extraction method like uh, cold water hash, and you eat an edible with the hash versus the distillate, it's two different highs. It's like somebody selling you chamomile tea and it's like from the plants with the flower versus chamomile tea all grind up. And, you know, it just tastes like chamomile, but it's not really chamomile, <laughs> you know, like, so hope that helps uh, answer that question. No, that's great. And I believe that, you know, um, for me in general, I have um, pain, pain, um, pain, in my back, in my lower back. Um, I had adrenal fatigue and then I do therapy, um, but I was also going to be placed on 
uh, lidocaine patches. Well, I, I do have lidocaine patches, but I also self-medicate with cannabis. Um, it manages the pain and I'm able to be productive and actually go about my day, which is, um, I don't regularly share that, but I did want to share it on this podcast and share it on this episode just because I do want to be transparent with my audience and why I support the cannabis industry and the cannabis culture in general, just because I didn't want to be on lower tab hydrocodones. Um, I was even going to be given fentanyl um, patches. They wanted to give me the, sh- the epidural shot because my back, the pain was so, so bad. Um, I couldn't do anything. I was just down. My energy levels were very, very low. So I'm a big supporter of the cannabis industry and definitely always looking to uh, meet the founders because I feel like if the founder is very much about um, having a product that is quality and that they stand behind, that says a lot about the product itself. It's not just something that they're just trying to give you, that they're just trying to put in front of you. And I also wanted to share that with my audience and share on this podcast episode for others who may have a bad stigma against uh, weed or against cannabis, um, when many people, it, it it is not clinically proven because I know that that's also, uh, once you get into the clinical trials, cannabis is, is going to lead into a medical grade and only a doctor can prescribe that. So, and, and I have done other reports on the cannabis industry. So I do know that there's a fine line between that right now with the cannabis industry because um, there's no regulation right now with uh, the government. And that is one of the main reasons. So I really believe in testimonials and testimonials from others who use your products, who can give their testimonial because a testimonial is not a clinical trial. So it definitely separates the two and you are still able to stay within that line. And that's just me thinking from a marketing perspective because that's what I do, but also because I'm also a supporter of the cannabis industry and knowing how much it really does help people's lives. Um, It really, not only from the high, um, I, w- I would much necessarily wouldn't say it's, it's for, it's, yes, you can use it for, for happy, go lucky, um, have a fun time, but you can also use it to manage your pain. And if you're going through something like cancer chemotherapy, um, because that is also very hard on your, on your body. And being able to um, be on cannabis, that's something that can really alleviate that pain and take you out from that place of chemo radiotherapy. And, and it definitely does help. I know with my back pain and all the pain that I was going through, it was very, very um, hard to even focus, um, very hard to function, very hard to even you know keep my energy up. And once I was able to, you know, get my cannabis, I was great. I was so much better functioning. And many people were like, you're up, you're up and going. And I would be like, yeah, I'm here. I'm up and running. And they're like, that's great. And they're like, but you're good. And I'm like, I'm good. And they're like, as long as you're not in pain, that's all we care about. And that's great because that's the whole point. As long as you're not in pain that, you know, you use it. Use it for those purposes, as well as, you know, recreational purposes, however you wish to use it. So with that, yeah. I, want, I want to come back to you. Oh, <laughs> Carla, I'm like, you know, 
campaign, I think that's the sentiment, unfortunately, or the narrative that we don't hear often, because we know, you know, from anecdotal evidence, right, that Latina women are, are in pain just because of all the hard work we've endured. And I'm talking, you know, I mean, obviously I've endured some stuff, but I'm more like the older generation, you know, like my aunties were still working in the canneries a few years back. You know, they should be retired. <laughs> and I'm sure they're, you know, they're in pain. And, uh, you know, we're young, right? But regardless of your age, it's like your body wears and tears. And we have to make sure, like you said, we're present. And I think this country needs to realize that, you know, because it's federally illegal, right? So I think we have to have an aha moment and say, okay, well, Latinos are the future of this country. They're the, they're the backbone of this country, the working force. Pain is real, pain is free, but getting rid of pain, it's the question. Like you're gonna drop with pharmaceuticals between 400 to $700 a month just for pain management, where we have a, a, a product that is not even that, I mean, it's a fraction of that cost, right? That's more accessible to like, the people making $7 an hour or $15 an hour. Like weed is expensive, but it is a, a it is a, a resource that should be more widely available, right? If we all collectively come together and recognize it for what it is. And I think the mesh of society relies on people feeling well, like you said, you know, like people see you happier and then it's infectious, then they get happier and it's like a trickling effect. And I think that's where the magic happens. Yeah, absolutely. I really feel that many people, um, the perception. Um, I think that as a brand, and that's, that's going to be one of your biggest tasks at hand with your company is going to be the perception, the perception that has been um, already created in the minds of the consumers, which is the older generation. And the older generation has pretty much said no to it automatically, just say no, right? That was Reagan's biggest campaign to just say no. And also too, they added to it that that was the, the gateway drug. And it, it, it definitely, um, I would disagree with that statement um, and it hasn't been proven a fact. So I would fact check it and, and disagree because I, I only use it for medicinal purposes. And that is, my opinion, but it is also my um, way of managing my pain um, from my back. Um, I still go to therapy. I still go see the physical therapist and the physical therapist knows about me using cannabis and they are on board with it and they agree with it because so many, even the doctors are aware of the um, effects and how it can be beneficial and helpful to people in their life, in their lifestyle. You know, I, I wanna be more active. I wanna be able to do exercise again. I wanna be able to move and I wanna be able to join my friends in their activities and be able to be present at meetings when I need to be, instead of being at home in bed in pain when I can just go ahead and take my vape out and be good right after I use it. And so that is a big task for you at hand. How are you handling that task to change that perception in the cannabis market? So I'm doing it more grassroots. I mean, when you, when you started talking, I just kept thinking big marketing budget <laughs> um, and uh, in like big buy-in from a lot of stakeholders, right? Not just um, community members, but, you know, institutions and organizations and media outlets, you know, for example, you know, only 
of all the media content, and please verify this fact, I throw numbers, but I like to put them out there just to, to get people thinking, right? Um, only 2% of all the media content that's produced in this country has any Latino representation. It might be five. Yeah. So that's odd, right? So if everything that we see in the media, we don't, we don't really see ourselves. So let's start there, yeah. right? So let's start like what you're doing me, like what we're doing here. Let's let's show up and let the world know we're here and we exist and this is real. Like we're not just numbers. Um, so we got to change that, right? And we have to change how the media portrays us, even Univision. Like, are they going to champion this message? Are they going to like you know push it down because it's too you know confrontational? That kind of thing. That kind of bigger buy-in that we need at a national level and obviously the federal government. Um, but yeah, I think just focusing on a good marketing. Um, we're going to be actively fundraising, so keep your eyes open for that. But I think part of that, you bring a good question. I think we're going to have to really double down on the marketing and, and really, if we want to accelerate, it sounds to me just from what I'm hearing from you too, is like we have to really go fast through the education channel. Definitely. Right? You know, and I think that's going to be the grassroots efforts because like if you feel better, you're going to tell your comadre, your, your, you know, your sister, your auntie, and it's... And that's what I love about Latinas. Like we are so community driven that when we find something that works for us, all we want to do is nurture others. So we're going to tell the world, like, listen, this really helped me. And I really think it could help you. I'm not trying to sell you. I'm just trying to tell you the information that has been given to me. Right. And I think that narrative, like, don't call it chismosas. We're just creating good, faithful or good words in good faith. Um, anyways, I kind of derailed, but yeah, marketing is, is interesting, but, yeah, going back, I think it's a buy-in. And please let me know your thoughts. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking right now when you were talking. No, yeah, in the media, and I really feel like, you know, the news is definitely um, one of the main reasons why it is um, a, a stigma and a taboo um, amongst, um, you know, our culture. Um, but then there's also the cannabis culture who is pushing back because I think that there has to be a pushback to um, allow others to say, no, we're standing up for this. This is not good. And it, it is going to be um, a perception game. The perception game is going to become whether um, where the channel is going to be more successful is going to be education because you not only have to um, push your narrative of what your brand stands for in the mission, but now you also have to educate and educate them in a way that they understand why this is no longer a taboo, why this is no longer um, something that that needs to be looked down on or frowned upon. Um, it's it's just something that needs to become ex more accepted and accepted in, in terms whether you drink or you don't drink, um, whether you, um, you know, buy condoms or don't con don't buy condoms you know um do you take birth control or you don't take birth control it's all a perception and it's all a choice so and i feel like with the government side it definitely is going to um change our political climate change our political system um it's it's going to be taxable um so it is it's another cash crop right. yeah and then money you know we should think about that i think we gotta also make sure like what we're doing now, like let people know this is an opportunity that's coming. It's like, for example, technology at Latinos, we're not represented. We missed out on that boat, right? We have a chance to dive in, like you said, get on the boat and start rowing, you know, and let's get a bunch of people out there championing this message. And again, going back to creating generational wealth, like why, us, why not us now? And really start asking that question. And what are the benefits of us really being here now?
Yeah, most definitely. And I feel like, you know, you are already championing this. You're already starting this. I really feel like, you know, social media is very powerful. And, you know, social media would be the, the best place to just start, even if you don't have a buy-in from a big media company or a big marketing um, budget. Uh, you know, the power of social media can go further than what you really think. Um, just because there's so many people on social media and there's so many people, a community, really. Um, you also not only have the change of perception, but build that community, build that community around your brand so that they're able to understand your brand story um, and what you are about and the educational part about it because people share education. They wanna be educated on things. They want more information. Uh, we are in an age, in an age of much information that's given on the daily, but people are still looking for information on the cannabis culture. And if you can be that source to them, it's a great, great asset to them. And then it's assets that you are publishing on social media so others can can find your brand, find about you and relate and join. And then once it does become legalized, then, you know, you are at the forefront with your brand and it was done all through social media. And then after that, the rest of the media will come because the media mm -hmm. is still, if they can't gain something from them, from it, if the, if the local news stations cannot benefit somehow from the story, uh, they're going to continue the story to be um, a, with the stigma and, and, and with the Reagan campaign to just say no because that's, that's what it's been and that's what it's gonna be until a larger wave comes in through the social media channels, which is what it's gonna be. It's gonna be the social media channels just because the brand the brand is there, the branding is there, the marketing is there and it's, and it's very powerful. Um, so many campaigns have been used on social media. So it's changed a lot of the dynamics in branding and in companies as well. So you definitely can use the social media channels to really champion your cause and champion what you're doing. And especially if you, you are, you know, the, Mexi the Mexicana who's on the boat, who's driving the boat, and <laughs> there's other boats that want to join. And the point of it is, I don't know if you've ever been on the lake or, on, you know, in the beach, mm -hmm. on the waters, you know, boats will, boats will link up. The boat, one, there'll be one major boat, and if their boat is not as big as that boat, they'll still throw that other boat a rope, and they'll tie a rope on that boat. And then you just see, like, seven boats all together just in, like, one little island moving together in the water. And it's really neat because then it just becomes one great, fantastic place to be and you want to experience it and you want to be there because you're just jumping from boat to boat and meeting new people and just having a great experience and a great time and i feel like that's you know the point of the cannabis industry in the mar in any market as well yeah most definitely so what 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 caused you or what was it that that interested you in in getting into cannabis and wanting to be um have a business in in this industry uh, uh, I think it touches it's you know what do, as a latina that's that's been fortunate to have an education like what's going to be my legacy you know what what am i working towards and one of those things is like you know i went like i said i went to mills college women's education and they're like question everything. So it's like, why are we in the media? Why are we 
running Fortune 500 companies? Why are we running more, you know, government bodies? Like, so you start questioning these things. And I was in tech and I saw the same thing happen in tech where I was one of one <laughs> or, you know. Um, so what made me get into the industry was that idea of like, you know what, there's an opportunity. Uh, and then I also Googled Latinos and cannabis and there was like zero. I was like, no, this is a joke. Um, so it's like, you know, it's like, we're not here, but we're here. So that was, that's my personal, like, I want to show up because I always wanted uh, as an immigrant, I saw my dad, you know, work really hard and make $15 an hour or $6 an hour. And I was like, we got to get out of this hourly mentality into the salary mentality and then into this investment mentality. And then we're running companies and then we're creating generational wealth. So um, that was one of my interests for the cannabis industry, but mostly my mother, you know, like I said, I, I take, I look after her and um, the same thing, similar to what happened to you. I took her to the doctor. She came out with a bunch of pills, you know, back in 2016, we had the opiate epidemic where hundreds of thousands of people died in this country. Um, and it was really affecting our communities. So again, you know, like we got a time travel and say, okay, if we're gonna get to 2030 or 2040, how is the future gonna look without us or with us? And I chose, you know, I'm like, I'll be, I'll be in the industry. I'll be dictating what products we put in the market. I'll be talking to my community. You know, I'll be the champion knowing that, like you said, there'll be others behind me because we are the country of this future. Yes, most definitely. And I'm glad that you chose the cannabis industry and you chose to be um, at the forefront of it right now, because once it is regulated, um, it's going to, you know, boom, it is going to be the next cash crop. Um, and it's, you know, the taxes. So with those benefits, that it, it, how do you see the cannabis culture helping um, our, not, not just our, our, the industry of cannabis, but helping in general, um america the united states you know how do you see the cannabis industry uh, if if it, it is deregulated how 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 will it benefit um people in in america i think that's a i mean we can be here for hours <laughs> but uh, a couple of things that come to mind so i you know just really quickly little stories i go up to the to the to the farms to pick up the product because we're also a distributor and you know like any other industry Who's growing the weed? I mean, there's a farmer who owns the land and who has the brand, but get who? Guess who's actually growing the weed? Who? Latinos. Yes. Latinos. Right. So, you know, how's this going to help our country? I mean, it's creating jobs for everybody, but it's also it's already giving us a space to really contribute to an industry, but also benefit. You know, there's a farmer that's going to be harvesting two thousand pounds. That's over two million dollars of product, and he's Mexican. You know, Mexican immigrant bought some land, figured it out, got his permits in order, and now every two every year he's pumping out two thousand pounds into the market, and he has his whole crew there. They're all Mexicanos, you know, and he figured it out. But there's others like him that haven't figured it out. So when they do, again, you know, we're gonna allow for people to step in, do it correctly, pay their taxes. Um, they can, you know, pass that down to their to their families, the generational wealth. Uh, and then, you know, we, by making it legal, we are holding people more accountable so that the black market also goes away. The black market, you know, is putting product that's not tested. So we talk about quality, right? So a lot of people think, oh, I have a plug. I'm just going to buy weed from my dealer. Well, you know, you're consuming pesticides, mold, heavy metals. So again, I think 
the, the, the country would benefit by having a healthier society because we're taking all these layers out, but also we're allowing for people to step in and create opportunities for themselves. And, uh, you know, yeah, and going back to your opinion, like, you know, I think by 20, I mean, look, look, please look this information up, but I, by 2050 or 2060, one out of every five women will be a Latina. So like we need us to be healthy, to be part of that fabric of society, right? And I think that's the basic. If the future is what people say it is based on, on data and analytics and all this information, then why are we refusing to get there in a, in a healthy state? No, yeah. no, yes, most definitely. I agree, definitely, that um, it is going to be um, generational wealth. It is going to be the next cash crop. And it's there's a lot more layers to um, to this, to the cannabis industry, to the cannabis community. And I will continue to report on it, um, you know, from a marketing side, branding side. I definitely understand the perception and the education part that you have to create in the community that you need to create from that. Um, and also to the, the the political side that, you know, how it's going to be beneficial and change our society and the politics that that play into decriminal, decriminalizing, um, you know, weed um, charges. And if it eliminates the black market, how that would affect that of it as well. So it, it definitely, there's, there's so many layers to this industry that that people don't realize. And, and it is all about education. And it is all about educating people on both sides, um, both sides of what your what your product is, where it comes from and the story. And then also to the political side and the dehumanizing side of it and decriminalizing side of it. And as well as politics, what it plays into um, politics and the social, social political side of everything. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I just want to go back. I said that you know it was being grown by Mexicanos. You know, it's not true. I mean, that was like a statement to kind of paint a picture. I did want to, you know, kind of tell the public that, you know, in California, what's unique about California, Northern California, is that there's legacy farmers, meaning these are people that moved up to Humboldt, you know, Covello, Mendocino, and have been growing weed with their families for generations, right? So that's also a community that has been the anchor of the sun-grown movement, making sure they're protecting the land. Um, a lot of those farmers are, you know, family-owned businesses that really do this for the good of, of everybody. So I just want to make sure that we recognize that community too, um, because without them, we wouldn't be here. You know, they were the ones where the helicopters were coming and chopping down their crops and sending them to jail. Um, they were up in the mountains. And then you had the same issue also in the urban area, right? Once the product got here, then we got thing for it. So I just want to make that clear and, and also let people know that that community in California is what's really, really bringing some of the best weed in this country to the table. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I do believe, you know, California um, and now Colorado, um, Oregon, and if I'm not mistaken, there's one more. Um, I want to say it's it's. Um, what is it? Arizona. Arizona. Did Arizona legalize it? Let's double check that. I haven't been, but I know I know okay. I was trying to get it to Arizona, so just kind of. Yes. So I do know that it's several states, so not many, but um, you can still count them on one hand. But still, that's still. Pro oh, yes, Nevada. You're right. Um, uh, and so you can still count them on your hand. But little by little, I believe that it will be. I mean, it's, it's already going in that direction in, in California and you 
are uh, one of the leaders and the anchors that are you know pushing that forward um, in other states and other other states that have began to legalize it. It's only going to help um, their economies. You know, it's it's only going to benefit the economies, and many people are still afraid that it can you know create an issue or create a problem. But in many ways, anything can create a problem. Anything can create an issue. You know, alcohol. You know, you can't drink while you drive. If there needs to be a law in place for you can't be um, under, you know, under cannabis influence while you're operating a motor vehicle. So there's so many there's so many ways to really um, make sure that everyone is safe and is consumable within a safe place. I think that a lot of times it's also going to take for politicians to get behind this um, the industry as well. And I, I do believe that it's going in that direction and it's going there because the more education that you can put out there as a brand um, and as a founder, as a founder with that information, the more beneficial it can be. Because that way the education is out there. Education is very powerful. Um, people want to be educated on things that they don't know about because if they are only following the news and they're only listening to one narrative and one side, it's going to be very hard to understand someone else's uh, point of view when it comes to it, like me, it helps manage my pain, and I'm able to be, you know, uh, present at functions, uh, meetings, and and you know my work as well as you know yes you know have a good time, but at the same time I'm being able to function in society and in be able to um, progress whatever it is that I'm a part of right. in my communities and my Latino communities as well as in, you know, in general communities of other places of society. So it, it definitely is many, there's, there is definitely many layers to this. And I'm, I'm, I'm very, very sure we will continue this conversation when we come back again um, to be able to follow up on, you know, as the industry continues to change, as the industry continues to move forward, because it is moving forward. It, it's not going backwards, it's going forward. Um, and it's all about brands like yourself that are coming to the market who are changing the perception and educating us on this information so that we can know about it. So that's it's really good. And I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to join me today and be on today's podcast episode. Yeah, tell <laughs> You're welcome. Can you tell us where can we find you online and on social media? On social media, our handle is www.sunnyville.co. We're also on Facebook. And uh, on LinkedIn, you can you can follow the company too if you're ever you know like we said we're going to be ready to fundraise if you want to keep an eye on that potentially as an investor. Um, and then on, if you go to our website kellywendell.co uh, in the delivery section, if you're in the Bay Area, East Bay, we can um, bring you some weed home. It's easy as that. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely great. I'm definitely going to have to come and visit and go and visit and try the Cali Bueno brand. Um, so yeah. definitely. Oh yeah, one last yeah. thing. We are um, in, in several dispensaries, so we are in uh, SF Liberty in San Francisco, Bush and Fillmore. We're also okay. our product is also in Seven Stars in Richmond, um, and then Cali Bueno Delivery. Cali Bueno Delivery. Okay, and are you guys going to be um, in different states, or are y'all guys just staying in California? For right now, just California. Yeah. Yeah. Strategy. 
Okay, great. That's great. That's good to know. And we'll definitely have to come back and talk a little bit more about the investing side um, into uh, what Cali Bueno is doing. But if anyone who's listening and you are looking for potential investing in into the cannabis industry, definitely contact Claudia Mercado at Cali Bueno. You can find her on LinkedIn as well, and you can connect professionally there, or as well just send her a message through their website. And what is that website again, Claudia? CaliBueno.co. CaliBueno.co. And I will go ahead and also link all of their handles to social media in this episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as her website. So for those who are listening, you can also find it there and you can just click on there and reach out to Claudia for anything that you might have a question about. So once again, Claudia, I wanna thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. And I appreciate everything. Um, and I want to just go ahead and tell everyone, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode and lending me your ears and listening this far. As always, guys, peace and love. Until next time, wishing you guys a great day.